you have imposter syndrome or are you an actual imposter? Great question. I'd love to tell you, but I can't. What? You haven't even bought me dinner yet. Don't worry. I've still got you. Listen, I've had a lot going on lately and I'm just about to sit down and have a chat with Dr. Gabor Mate. A little something special I'm whipping up for you and I've chosen to do this during a very stressful time when I'm being pulled in a gajillion directions by all of these projects and people as if I even know what I'm doing and there's this massive weight of imposter syndrome suffocating me lately. You know, like the past two, three decades but this has helped me come to a realization that will help you you probably aren't who you think you are but you aren't an imposter now allow me to help and yeah considering everything i do for you supper would be nice her hair is curly her teeth are pearly she's got an edge but she's still pretty girly Oh, oh, nothing rhymes with Dahlia. Life is nuts lately. Too much. The stress is just so great. And so I was going to talk to you about stress. And as I'm putting all of my thoughts together, I realized, wait, stress, that's not really the problem. Stress is the imposter here masking the real problem. But quickly, before we get into that, just hit that subscribe button actually, why do we say hit that subscribe button? Who hits buttons? That's pretty drastic. Any hoops, just do what you do to that subscribe button so you don't miss any of these upcoming episodes with incredible guests who somehow agree to join an imposter's podcast. And if you're really feeling sassy, please leave a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. So, What's happening other than me crunching down on my lips so hard that I now have a fat lip just in time for one of my biggest weeks on camera and in front of people. So I'm emceeing this big fundraiser for an organization that supports victims of domestic violence. I'm sitting down with Gabor Mate, you know, right after he's joined Joe Rogan, Ritual, Tim Ferriss, Lewis House. I'm putting together and executing a daily national morning show. I'm creating content, videos, a podcast, travel. Traveling for work, of course. What's pleasure? I don't know. And, you know, making supper all in the same week. Well, that's a lie. I haven't made supper once this week. But you see, I've made these choices and I've made the choice in how I approach all of this. It's simple, really. Each little thing only needs as much care and attention as you'd put into the making of something like. I don't know, the Super Bowl? Yep, stress, anxiety, wonderful tools to create this massive blockbuster, high-strung movie in your mind that becomes your reality, always ready for the worst-case scenario, protecting yourself from danger. By the by, now may be a good time to remind you that those tools and protective mechanisms you use to get through trauma may become problematic later when they become your way of life in dealing with your life day to day in your steady state. And by talking to you and saying, reminding you, I'm really talking to me, but Idalia Grass. So really... What danger am I protecting myself from? Me? Well, not me. Imposter me. The person I haven't 
been yet. Future me. None of us have been our future selves, not unless you're Marty McFly. So when you're looking at something that you have to do, you don't know what's going to happen. It's the fear of the unknown, right? And here's where the realization comes in though. As a little girl, I had a lot of anxiety. This has been ongoing throughout my life. But I never thought I was an imposter. I never feared future me when I was a kid. Quite the opposite, really. A little story for you. It was fifth grade. I had always loved piano, and it wasn't even so much the sound. It was just those keys, those keys. I enjoyed just pressing buttons. It made me happy, buttons, keys. What do you know? They're all things that you can press as a kid, right? I never had lessons. Of course, on a couple of occasions, I sort of tampered with it when it was at a friend's house. There was a piano there, or my cousin Jennifer had one in her basement. And I just remember I loved pressing those keys. And on this particular day, I was at school. Mrs. Warwick, the music teacher, she led us down the hall to where the piano awaited its special audience as parent-teacher night interviews neared. And I wanted to perform. I wanted to press those keys. And today, Mrs. Warwick deviated from the traditional curriculum of recorders and ukuleles and was about to allow an indulgence for only some people. And so she says, I have a special treat for you today. If you know how to play piano, raise your hand. No. The coveted ebony and ivory keys we were never allowed to touch. We're not allowed to touch this. We had a whole talk on the first day of music class about how the piano is only for her. And now she's offering that we can go up and perform? If you know how to play piano, raise your hand. I'm in. I am all in. So if you can play, this is your day. She's really pushing this on us. This is my time. This is my time to shine. A few kids in the class, oh, they bragged about their piano skills that they acquired from their weekly lessons. Weekly lessons my parents couldn't afford. But surprisingly, no one raised their hand to accept Mrs. Warwick's rare invitation. What? Not one kid except for me. I have it in me. I can play. I know I can. I've got this. Not scared. Not one bit. My hand flies eagerly into the air and I'm already holding it up under my arm with my other hand. I'm waving and like, come on, relax. You are in the front row in front of the teacher, Dahlia. She sees you. And then the announcement, the announcement, Dahlia shall be the first. All right, come on up. No talking class. Go ahead, dear. Yup, it's official. This is happening. She has just given me my debut performance introduction.
So I climbed up onto that bench, wondering if I'm the shortest pianist ever, considering there's no way any short person could reach those pedals. And my pedal preoccupation was quickly thwarted, however, by this sudden artistic surge running through my arms towards my fingertips. There really was something special in me that was finally going to be released. And all of these people would witness this performance, which my mind had already hallmarked. And so my fingers begin to stray with reckless inspiration, prancing across that keyboard. I really had it in me. But I guess it must have stayed in me because it never came out. What can I say? Mrs. Warwick was angry and the kids all laughed at me. And I had a moment where I sort of felt that, that red hot flush that came onto my face. But oddly, and in line with me being an oddly individual, I also kind of felt really good about myself. You see, other kids may have had the ability to play piano from lessons. I, on the other hand, had the ability to raise my hand. So even though my parents couldn't afford those piano lessons, they afforded me some of the most priceless lessons a child could learn. All those kids, they all thought I was an imposter. Anyone would say that, right? I was pretending to be something I'm not. Someone I'm not. Not really. I was being me. I was embracing future me, excited to be so many things. I embraced that. I ran towards that. To me, those kids were the imposters. How dare they be gifted the privilege of those piano lessons and flaunt them around, but not show them. Imposters. I do everything scared. I really do. But the older I get, the more scared I am of not being everything. It's not the act of doing. It's the act of being everything. As a kid, I was always excited, excited to do everything, to be everything. And as I got older, excited somehow got replaced more and more with scared. At 10 years old, for instance, I competed in table tennis. Fun fact, ping pong is a trademark name by Parker Brothers. The sport is actually called table tennis. It was originally called Wiff Waff, or it is called Pong Fu, the way I play it. But I was competitive. I was a top junior in this country, in North America even. And so at 10, 11, 12, off the court, while I wanted to be an adult on the court, I'd put my hair in pigtails, mainly when I was playing adults. Why? I was 10 years old. I was using psychological warfare on mature, fully developed humans, adults, maybe too developed, because 
I already knew how scared adults would be. I knew that they would be scared to see a kid coming up against them. I knew that adults could get more in their head than I could. I saw that already at 10 years old. And here I am now. And it takes me this long to realize it again, that I'm the one getting in my head. My stress is my imposter. And looking back at when I played table tennis, Pong Fu to you, funny enough, when I turned 16, that's when I started getting really scared. Now the 10-year-olds were playing me, and they were good. And I thought, I'm an imposter. I'm not really the best, even though I'd been one of the best for years, for years. And then I started to lose. And I quit by 17. An Olympic hopeful getting paid by petroleum companies and the government to play. I quit. My fear of losing became stronger than any joy I ever had in winning. I became the person I feared. Fear was the imposter, not me. It made me think I was something I wasn't because I was way better than I thought I was. So yes, imposter syndrome, whatever. Listen, if you're doing it, you're not fooling anyone. If you're doing it, it means you're doing it. Take it for what it is. You are doing it. It's like, I hate running, but I hate not running more. And so I run. And I'm not meant to be a long distance runner. I don't have the body for it. Every run is hard. It never gets easier. Never. And every run, I think, this may be the last run. I'm not a runner. I'm an imposter. I've been running like 20 years now. Six days a week. About an hour a day. I'm a runner. I am a runner. I'll leave you with this advice because I've already given myself way too much advice here to process. But listen, you know I'm a dog person, but I'm going to tell you something very controversial right now, okay? And I'm sorry, Fozzie Bear, for saying this, but this has to be said. Don't be a dog. Don't be a dog. Be a cat. Because you know who doesn't have imposter syndrome? Cats. Look, dogs are wonderful and all. My favorite people, really. But how do I put this? Dogs think you're a god. Cats think they're a god. They strut around like they are what you should aspire to be. The cattiest cat of all cats. They're not the cat's meow. They are the cat. Do they know what they're doing? I guarantee you, with their walnut-sized brain, they do not have a plan. But little walnut over there saunters through each day like my master plan is going exactly according to plan. I tried. I really tried to pull that off. Look, you're not here for the word puns. You're here for the advice. And if the advice isn't great for you, then enjoy exactly because that's the best it's going to get.
Look, I'd sit here and think up some more word plays for you, but I've got to go ice the golf ball growing in my upper lip now before I go on camera. But why don't you send me some word plays on Instagram at Dahlia Kurtz? Come say hi, say help, say how the help are you? Or if you liked this podcast or podcat, as it were. Please leave a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen. And don't forget to subscribe. You don't want to miss the next episode and my incredible guest or my mediocre word plays. So thanks for dropping by the neighboralia. Now go live and help live and be very careful when eating food because you can greatly injure your lip with the tiniest bite and then stress yourself out more than you need to be stressed. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. Oh, oh, nothing rhymes with Dahlia. Nothing rhymes with Dahlia. Nothing rhymes with Dahlia. Neighboralia.